What are the main desires you have for a life well lived? As a follower of Jesus, what is the life God has always wanted for you? In this message series, we'll explore Trinity's six core values. This week we'll focus on you are designed with a role in mind. God designed the church to grow and mature as each believer does the work of ministry. He's delighted when you discover your unique spirit-given gifts and put them to use. In fact, you bring praise to God when you use your gifts to serve others. We will help you discover and develop your spiritual gifts for the good works to which you are called. These are the things that we care about most and how they might lead to the life we've always wanted. Good morning, Trinity Church. It's good to be here today. My name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm privileged to be up here today with Michael Burns. So uh, you may recognize Michael. He's one of our Sunday morning hosts, um, but maybe you recognize him out from out in the community doing theater, some of our local theater out there, and uh, there are other wonderful things about Michael. But one of the things he and I share is a passion to see the people of God using their God-given gifts to serve the Lord because we believe that that is our design and that's the core value that we get to talk about and teach about together today in this series, The Life We've Always Wanted. And so we've been going through the different core values and today we get to look at this value that God has given that he's designed us with a purpose, and that purpose is to serve. And so we're excited to just partner together in the message today, and so we'll just be kind of switching off different points. But um, I have a question. Maybe you've received an email like this recently. It says, uh, this, this came to my son at the beginning of February, you have been requested to serve. And then we have the wonderful option that comes next. Accept or decline. <laughs> How many of you have you received messages like this? How many of you? Look at that. You guys, you are the people that facilitate the worship gatherings of God's people. Thank you for serving in that way. And um, this is one way that we serve the Lord. And for the rest of you, if you've never received a message like that, I guarantee if you look up Lynn Ray or Morgan or Sarah or Justin, they'd be glad to put you on the schedule and uh, you have that opportunity. But all kidding aside, whenever we hear of a need or an opportunity to serve, we do have that decision to make. Are we going to accept or decline? There are so many needs in our world. There are so many needs within our own church, with our own families. And so the questions that we look at today is, how do you make that decision? Is this something that I need to do, or is it for somebody else? So we're going to look at that. There are so many needs. I can just name a few of them for you on Sunday mornings right now. Um, Kim was up here, our kids' pastor. Do you know that they need a whole bunch more teachers to teach and disciple our kids at Trinity. The people who are doing that right now, many of them don't get to attend service because they're doing it at 9 o'clock and at 11 o'clock. So there are more needs in that area. Is that something 
that maybe you should accept. You're not going to receive a planning center email about that one. Maybe, do you realize that there are a number of light and power, some of the folks in our light and power class, we're going to get to celebrate 30 years with light and power next Sunday. Do you know that many of them can't come to other Trinity Church events because they need rides, an opportunity to serve? Micah House right now, we have this this, uh, movement of young people in the middle school and high school age who are wanting to be a part of it, but there aren't enough volunteers who are serving in the afternoons to enable them all to come, so they have to limit how many they can accept. We have a Mexico trip heading down in in March. There are still some open spots available, and it takes a full team to build the house. And so we have all these different opportunities before us. How do we discern whether or not to accept or decline? And that's what we're going to look at today. And the Word of God has a lot to say about this core value of service. And so we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. It is one of four main passages where the apostles teach about the gifts that we've been given and how we need to put them into use. So if you would, if you have a Bible today, please turn in for, to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to also have the text on the screens. 1 Peter is towards the end of the New Testament. Peter, one of the apostles, wrote two short letters to the church, and he, and he addressed it to the people of God everywhere, who were dispersed everywhere. So his audience wasn't one church. He was writing to all believers at the time. And he's writing to us, because we have the scriptures today for us. And his main purpose of his first letter is a call to God's holy people who've been born again into a living hope to live lives according to the will of God that honor God. That's his theme And so in that theme, in chapter 4, we come to this section where he says this. I'm going to read it with you. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. And above all else, love each other deeply so that because love covers a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's various, of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Just before this passage, Peter says that those who have been born again into this living hope need to no longer live for human passions. And then he names, but he says, instead, you should live for the will of God. And then he goes on to name these human passions that we live for. And he says, you no longer live for these things. But then he comes to this and he gives us, this is what we should be living for. And he names these three really important commands. We should love one another. 
We should share generously with one another hospitality. And it says we should serve one another. And note that in verse 8, he says, above all else. So he elevates these three things to the most essential activities that we are, no, we are doing according to the will of God. These are the important things we should do as followers of Jesus. And while there's much that we can say about loving one another and about showing hospitality, today we're going to focus in on that third command that we are to use the gifts that God's given us to serve each other. And so we're looking at that today. But note before we jump in where Peter starts in verse 7, he says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And so he puts an urgency in this, an urgency that we feel in our culture today, just way back in that culture of that time, there is an urgency to get this right because the world needs to see Jesus' people living according to the will of God. And so let's begin with prayer, just as Peter tells us to. We need to be alert and of sober mind so that we can pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that there is an urgency. Lord, there are so many needs, not only needs within our church family to serve each other, but there are needs out in the world, the areas where you've put us, God, we're aware of the incredible needs, and sometimes it can be overwhelming because each one of us is just one person. And yet, God, you have clear commands for us. And so we pray as we look at this, God, we want to be the people, your people, who get this right. And so we pray that you would open our eyes up to what this means for each one of us individually and for us as your people here at Trinity Church. Help us to hear and to do the things that you tell us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that we see in this passage, and we're moving it right into verse 10, is what is our role? We say we're designed with a role in mind. What is your role? And what we see right off the bat is that we are stewards. Peter says that we are stewards. So we are told to steward the things that God has given to us. Look at verse 11, or verse 10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so you and I are called to serve one another as faithful stewards. And the word steward is this word that can be translated manager. We are managers, right? The word steward actually in the original Greek comes from this oikonomos. It has to do with a household, the manager of a household. And so when you think of that picture, think of like, you know, the big, huge households in Britain, right? You had somebody managing that household. I think of Downton Abbey, sorry. Mr. Carson, right? He's the butler. And I looked up, what's a butler? And, and the first definition of a butler is the chief servant. Isn't that cool? The person who manages all of that for the owner, for his 
master. And so um, that's a good picture of what it means to manage. Now, Jesus talked a lot about being a good steward, and he taught about it. And one day he was uh, teaching his disciples, and Peter kind of, like Peter normally does, he asked Jesus to explain a little further. And Peter is simply passing on to us what Jesus taught him. And and Jesus taught more than once on stewardship, but this one time Jesus said that that a faithful and wise manager or steward will be busy acting according to his master's will while waiting for him to return. That was what Jesus taught. And some of you may have heard the parable of the talents, right? Another lesson that Jesus gave his disciples while they're waiting for their master to return, you're to put into use the things that you've given to to see that ministry grow. And then we get this well done, good and faithful servant. And so Peter is talking about stewardship. He's remembering what Jesus taught. And, but more than that, Jesus modeled it. Jesus modeled what it means to be a servant. And he said, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. So do you remember, maybe you've heard the story, John and James, the brothers, they're with Jesus and the disciples, and they come up to Jesus and they say pretty much, hey, can you kind of grant for us to be at your right and your left in the kingdom of heaven? They're kind of saying, hey, we kind of, we want to be in that, those best places, you know, those, those places right beside you. The other disciples, they're furious with John and James because of this request. And Jesus corrects them and he teaches and he says this. He says, if you want to be first, then you need to learn to be the servant of all. And he says, you don't, you, I'm not calling you to lead the way that the world leads, lording it over people. I'm calling you to lead like I lead. And then he says this beautiful passage in Mark 10, 45. It's on the screens. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as followers of Jesus, we are called to be faithful stewards, to be servants like our Lord who is willing to give his life in service. And that's what service is. It is a sacrifice to serve. And we feel that resistance in us. And that's the problem, is that from the moment I'm born, I want people to serve me, right? Mom and dad are there for me. That's what we, we learn. And then it takes like 18 years for our parents to try to break us of that sense, right? That, and, and, you know, it's like, no, we're here, we're here to serve one another. And the challenge with serving is that it is inconvenient. When I hear about a need in my own family or in our church family, and I wonder, oh, that this person needs this, it's inconvenient. I wasn't planning on meeting that need. I have to decide, am I willing to jump in and serve this person or this group. And so it rubs against the way that our flesh or the, the, the way we're created desires. And Jesus is saying, no, you need to learn from me to lay down your life and serve 
others. And the good thing is, is there is incredible joy in that. I want to, you to remember Mary. I absolutely love her response when God came to her and talked about his plan to bring Messiah into the world through her. Do you remember what she said? I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. And then here's how Paul and all the apostles, if you read almost every letter that they wrote, how does it begin? Paul, servant of the Lord. James, Peter, Jude, servants of the Lord. But look, look how Paul identified themselves. And I put this in the ESV translation because it has both words in it, servant and steward. He says this, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Servants who are stewards. And in this case, the stewardship was the message of the gospel, the mysteries of God. It's very important to note that our brothers and sisters in the scriptures, they self-identified as servants, right? This wasn't something that they're like, you know, you're supposed to be a servant. You need to serve me, right? Even Jesus, he told them to serve, but they ended up identifying themselves as servants. And that word that they use is a pretty serious word. It means a bond servant, and it means a slave. And they use that in a beautiful sense that they had given lordship of their lives to Christ. He was their manager. He was the one who owned them, is what they were saying when they say, we are servants of the Lord. When you and I receive the grace of God, this offer of his life as a ransom for ours, we too should naturally turn and give the Lord ownership. That's what it means to proclaim, just as we saw in the baptismal. Christ is Lord means we have given our ownership of our lives over to him. He says that through his blood, he, he purchased us, right? That we now belong to him. The gospel and our love and gratitude to Jesus is our motivation to serve. And all this talk of being a servant of the Lord makes no sense if you haven't received the grace of God, right? That's what we serve with is this grace that God's given us. And so the invitation for those who've not received the grace of God is not to come and become Jesus' servant, right? He never said, hey, come and be my servant. He said, come and follow me. John, in the beginning of his book, said this, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you've never received Christ as Lord, I invite you to speak to him now, maybe like this. Thank you, Jesus, for your offer of your life as a ransom for mine. I believe in your name. I receive your forgiveness. I receive eternal life. Now help me to learn to live my life for you. Amen. When we choose to follow Jesus, we become beloved children. 
And the more we understand the depth of his love and his purposes for us, the more we want to and choose to live our lives in service to him. And he says that to serve him is to serve others. And Michael's going to share with us how we serve. There we go. <laughs> no problems. So how do we serve? We have it up here on the screen. We serve through Christ according to his design. Okay, We serve through Christ according to his design. And we're going to start with the second part, according to his design. And if we can put 1 Peter 4.10 back up there, we see that it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have Whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So that tells us a couple things right off the bat. Okay? It tells us, number one, that you have a gift, probably multiple gifts. You might not feel like it. You might feel sometimes like, I got nothing. I got, I got bupkis. I got, I got nothing to give. But, but you do. It says so right here. Okay? So to believe anything else would be to believe a lie. Okay? The Word of God tells you that you have been given gifts. And not just here in a whole lot of other places, but I only have seven minutes, so we're just going to keep with this. <laughs> You've been given a gift. Number two, that gift is not just for you. You were given the gift to serve others, right? It says, use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Okay? Now, this gift might be a benefit in your own life. Great. It might help you to, uh, to make a living. Okay? It might help you to, to make friends. Those are all wonderful, wonderful things. But if you focus on the gift as something that's for you instead of something that's through you, well, then you're going to miss out. Okay? And it's going to be like, um, imagine, imagine a little kid. Imagine like a, a third grader, right? And the kid's on his way to school, and mom gives him a, a big package of double stuff Oreos and says, this is for you to share with your friends at lunchtime. And the kid takes it and is like, oh. And all the way to school, it's like, I have so many cookies. I have so many cookies. I have so many cookies. Okay. If that child eats all the cookies, we can predict what the result's going to be. It's not going to be glorification. It's not going to be edification. It's going to be a problem. Right? In the same way, our gifts are not for us to consume. Okay? Because ultimately... There's nothing we can do to serve God directly. Okay? We have nothing that he needs. We have no skill that he's waiting for in, in, for himself. I can promise you that it will never, ever, 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 ever happen that you will walk out of Trader Joe's and you will see God in the parking lot with his hood up and a dead battery. Okay? It's not going to happen. And you can be like, oh, it's okay, God, I have jumper cables. And you're going to come to his rescue. That's not going to happen. But it may be that you'll see somebody else, and you can come to their rescue. See, because he is so good, because he loves us so much, God allows us to serve kind of by proxy. We serve him by serving his children. Okay? So you have a gift. The gift is not for you. And guess what? Your gift may not look like the gifts of everybody else around you. 
and that's okay too. Because it says, whatever gift you have received, that means there's all kinds of different gifts. Okay? Whatever gift you have received, use it to serve others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul, it's his big gifts chapter, right? And he says in verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And then he goes on later in that same chapter to talk about how the body is a unit, right? The body is a unit that is made up of many parts, and though the parts are many, they still form one body in Christ. And he goes on to, make the, to say, well, imagine if a, if a foot were to say, well, because I'm not a hand, I, I, I got nothing. It's like, that would be foolish, right? If the ear were to say, because I'm not an eye, I, I can't be of any value, that would make no sense. All the parts of our body are valuable and important. And as somebody who once ran over his own toe with a pallet jack, loaded up with cans of soup, I can tell you that everything's important, even the toes. For weeks, my toe told me how important it was. Okay. But your serving is going to look different because we're all different, and we have different personalities. We're in different seasons of life. We have different skill sets. And that's going to determine what serving looks like for us. I mean, there are people out there who can be in the supermarket and they can bump carts with somebody else and they apologize to them. And that apology turns into to sharing the gospel. And then before you know it, they're, they're on the frozen food aisle undoing their bottle of water to, to baptize this person right there in the store. And then they're dragging him over to the, you know, to the cookie aisle to grab rich crackers so they can have a, a communion with them right there. It's like boom, 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 it's happening. And you're just like, wow. Okay, that's not me. I'm not that guy. Okay? There are people who have a, a financial ability to take you know, a small amount of money and just make it grow and grow so they can use it to bless them. I'm not that guy. Okay? The guy I'm really not, there are guys who can fix anything, okay? I am not that guy. My wife does not have the blessing of being able to boast and say, oh, my husband can fix anything. No, no. If you have any questions about that, you can ask Kathy. Just ask her to tell you the story about what happened when I tried to fix her oven when we were dating, okay? Because I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> I remember that I said, oh, yeah, I'll take a look at it. And I remember after that that there was a loud bang and kind of a ball of fire, kind of. And then, then I had very few eyebrows left. And it was rough. Okay. I'm, I don't have those gifts, but, but hear me. That doesn't mean I don't have gifts. right? And you may not have the same gifts as the people around you, but it doesn't mean that you don't have gifts. And we actually have a way to help. If you're, if you're wondering, what is my gift? How am I supposed to serve? We have a class coming up. We can put a slide there. The design class. Okay, next Sunday at, at 1030, we have this class. We, we offer it from time to time, and it's a way to, to uh, get together, dig into the scriptures, talk about you know, personalities and how personalities work, and give you the tools to help you understand who you are and how God has formed you to interact with this world, and what gifts you might be able to bring to the table to serve his people. So if that's something that sounds good to you, be here next Sunday, okay? We'll meet over in the, uh, in the ministry building there, and we'll help you try to get things sorted out, okay?
Now, the second part of this was we, we serve through Christ. Okay, we've talked about the design. The other part is we serve through Christ. It is not, it is not your strength. Because frankly, you don't have a lot of strength, do you? Neither do I. We sometimes think we do. In fact, sometimes we get it backwards. We think we don't have much in the way of gifts, but then when we get in the middle of a situation, we think we've got all this strength. I got it. I got this. You don't got this. As life proves to you over and over again. But God fills us with the strength. Verse 11, 1 Peter 11 says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. With the strength God provides. There's a story of a guy named Zerubbabel, and I just just love the name, so I'm excited I get to use it up here. So Zerubbabel, as you may remember, was... um, He was a a leader. He was one of the Israelites who came back from captivity. So uh, Israel... After the umpty fifth time that they disobeyed God, they ended up getting hauled off into captivity um, into Babylon. And then after time had passed, they were able to return. God brought his people out of captivity, brought them back, and and they were to restore Jerusalem and restore the temple. And Zerubbabel had that job. He was the leader, okay? He was called by God to lead his people and to lead this. And it was a task that was way too much for him, and he knew it. And he was a little twitchy about it. Okay? So God, in his love, in his grace, God sent him the prophet Zechariah. And Zechariah said, hear this. Okay? God is going to use you to complete this. The task that you've been given, you will do. But it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my by my spirit, says the Lord. And the Lord's saying the same thing to you this morning. If you feel called to serve, if you have a project in your heart that you want to serve and you just don't know how you could possibly do it in your own strength, you're right, you can't. But God says by his spirit, you can do it. Tag. So one of the questions, you know, we have all these various gifts that God's given us, very different from one another, is then where do you serve? You know, how do you know what things to accept and what things to decline? Because we do have to make those choices. And so when we look at that last verse that we were looking at, the answer is all things. We serve the Lord in all things, in everything that we do, right? Look at verse 11. We serve the Lord everywhere so that in all things, this is the result, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so Peter is saying, hey, we worship the Lord when we use our gifts to serve one another, whether they're speaking gifts or whether they're serving gifts, we are doing all those things to serve the Lord. And so when I, I think about that, the other, another way to ask the question, where do I serve, is what should I do? And I like to think of it this way. 
is I start closest to home. Sometimes that's the hardest place, is to serve the people that God's put in my life that I spend the most time with. Because sometimes they're the, they're the people that I just kind of have this resistance to serving because I think maybe they should serve me instead, right? So we start closest to home. And, and at Trinity, we like to call this our relational worlds, don't we? These are the people that you are doing life with. Our families, our work, for those who are students, your school, our neighborhoods, all those places bring us in contact with people who have needs. And that is the place I believe that we honor the Lord by starting there and serving those people closest to us. You know, Peter, in his, um, in his letter, three times uses this concept of doing good. Doing good. He says we do good, and sometimes we even suffer for doing good, he says. The Apostle Paul liked to call that doing good deeds or doing good works. And I absolutely love that concept because that is a Jesus concept. When he began right after the Beatitudes, right, he talked about the people of God, his disciples are the light of the world. He said, let your light shine before human, humankind so that they would see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. And so Jesus is the one that told his disciples, your job is to continue to do the works that I did. And so this, the, the apostles picked that theme up of good works. And I love this, um, this verse in Ephesians 2, 10. And uh, before Paul talks about this, he reminds us very clearly that we are not saved because of the good works that we do, right? He says, it's by grace that you're saved. It's through faith. It's not a result of your works. It's a gift from God so that no one can boast. But then look what he says in, in verse 10. He says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I remember a significant moment in my life as a young father, and I've got a picture of it just to prove it happened. But I was building this playset for my kids. Billy was five at the time. He just turned 21, by the way. <laughs> And my daughter, Maria, was just one, and I was building this thing, and all of a sudden, I just got this overwhelming sense of, this is part of the good work that God created me in Christ Jesus to do, serving my kids by building this playset for them to play on, just kind of just reveling in that joy of serving them in that way. And I remember thinking about that, and I couldn't get it out of my head, and just that sense of the joy that comes when we discover the good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you and I were, were even followers of Jesus, he, has de he designed us and has good works in mind for us to do for him to serve others. 
And those works, I believe, should start closest to home. And uh, as I think about that, I think that that still is the good work. One of the good works God's called me to is raising my kids, loving my wife, serving my wife, loving my parents. And that's closest to home. You know, it's what I do in my vocation as a pastor here is this is part of the good work that God created me in Christ Jesus to do. And when I was a teacher, a high school math teacher, I viewed it the same way. There's so much joy in doing the things that God has called us to do. Do you see your job as a place of ministry? Do you know that the word for minister is also another word for servant in the Greek? So we are ministers in our work as well. That Some of us, we spend most of our time in our jobs or for students in, in school. So when I think about where do I serve, what should I do, the first thing is I think about the things I have to do, and I need to be a servant in those things. And so living as a servant of the Lord starts closest to home. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking how beautiful some of your examples are to me as I watch the way that some of you serve, many in ways that aren't big public displays of service. I think of the caregivers, those of you who are caring for maybe an aging parent, maybe a spouse, You're fulfilling that vow that you gave in sickness and in health, and you are living your life out serving. I think of some of you who are serving your adult kids with disabilities. And as I watch, I think, you know what? When all these other needs come up, you don't have the opportunity to do very many other things because that is so time-consuming. And yet it's for a season, and it's a beautiful gift to the Lord. That is a service God's called you to. And something that's on my heart is how do we come alongside those people in our own congregation who are having to really serve so that they, if we can help them, they get to use some of their gifts in other ways too. And I see that happening. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, the way that this body serves one another. So let's excel still more. But then what about all those other needs around us? The needs in the church. You know, the church is where this passage is directed. We are called to serve one another with our gifts. And there is a beautiful thing. And sometimes serving is closest to home, and sometimes it requires us to leave home. Our team just got back from Thailand, and one of the team members shared a quote by one of the global workers there, and he just said that. He said, when there's a need and an opportunity, are you willing? These are people who have felt the call of God to leave home to serve him, and sometimes in a season of life, that may be the call that God places on our life, and it's the place of greatest joy. We have to leave home to come and do a band rehearsal here The elders have to leave home, and they go up to M201, and they spend a lot of time in prayer and making decisions to serve this body. Some of you show up on Tuesday nights. You're discipling our youth. 
On Sundays, you're, you're teaching our kids. Those are all beautiful ways that you are serving. And so Michael shared, how do we determine that? I think we need to just lean in and see, God, how have you designed me? And when opportunities come up, we need to ask the Lord, is this one for me? As I was doing this message, my greatest point of conviction is this. When I hear of a need, it's so easy just to not, to just think somebody else is going to do it. I'm just going to wait and see if somebody else pops up. Rather than asking myself if I hear a need, Lord, is this something you want me to accept? Or is it something I need to decline? And asking the Lord and maybe consulting with other people. And then lastly, maybe like my wife did for me, you could encourage somebody else to get out of their comfort zone and get into the adventure of serving. Maybe you don't feel like you're qualified. But 25 years ago, that's what my wife did. She made an appointment to audition for me. I didn't have the guts to do it. And that started a journey into worship ministries, learning how to serve the Lord and building friendships and how to love God's church. And so I'd encourage you that it, maybe you hear of a need and you think, I know the perfect person for this. Encourage that person to take advantage of it and jump in. So let's be people who serve the Lord closest to home, but who are willing to leave our homes to take that sacrifice and to serve him. So what happens when we do, Michael? What happens when we put it all on the line and we serve God? What happens is that God is glorified. It's as simple as that. Back to 1 Peter 11, it says, if anyone speaks, they should speak. Do so as one who speaks the very word of God. If anyone serves, they should serve with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So it's not about us. And it's, it's not even about the ones that we serve. It is ultimately about God and about his glory. Yeah. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you, you know, they will know the world. They will know that you are my disciples if you, what? If you love one another. They will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, service is, it's a part of loving, isn't it? It's what we do. It's how it works. And we go into the, into the book of Acts, chapter 2 in Acts, and we see just as, um, as we were learning last week, in that second chapter, they were, they were taking care of each other. They were meeting together. They were spending time together. They were serving each other. And in all of that, God was glorified. Okay? The church grew, and there was glory for God. Okay? And that's what it's about. Paul says in Ephesians 4.16, he describes spiritual maturity, and he says it looks like this. He says, from him... Christ, the, who is the head of the body. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, 
grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So when people are surrendered to Christ and are serving him, it is a blessing not only to the, the one who's serving, also the one who's receiving that service, and not only to them, but to God as he's glorified. It's, it's a win, win, win. And that's what maturity looks like in the church. My wife Kathy and I got to have a taste of this many, many moons ago. We were in a Sunday school class in, in our church, and we hit kind of a financial bump in the road. Okay, I'm a school teacher, and we only get paid 11 months out of the year, so there's always that extra month hanging out there. And that was okay because I taught summer school. For years and years, I taught summer school, and that filled the gap, and that was great, until the year that summer school got cut at the last minute. Okay, good old budget cuts. And we found ourselves looking at a month with zero income. So we came to our Sunday school class, and we laid it out there as a prayer request. We said, hey, you know, can you pray for us in this? And well, you know what happened. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sharing it from the pulpit right here. The next Sunday, we came to church, and there were bags and bags and bags of groceries for us. Okay? The people in our fellowship had met that need. They had seen a need, they knew of a need, they knew that they could meet that, and they did. And God was glorified in that. There's an essential component of that whole process that we also need to address, and that's the component of, of community. See, our Sunday school class was able to meet that need because they knew about that need. And they knew about that need because we shared that need. And we shared that need because we were close enough to these people to feel comfortable doing that, right? And that's the deal. Community and service, they go hand in hand. Service can build community. When we're serving each other by the Spirit of God, that, that builds a body. But you also need to have community there to know what the needs are, right? How do you know who the, the shut-in is, who needs someone to come and visit, unless you're part of the community? How do you know who the you know, little old widow is who needs, uh, needs her Christmas lights put up? Okay. How do you know about... The, the man whose leg is busted and he can't clean his gutters and there's a storm coming and he's concerned about his roof. How do you know about that? How do you know about the single mom with umpty three kids who just needs a break every once in a while but can't afford a babysitter? How do you know about those things unless we are in community? And that is an area where the church can fall a little bit. I want you to picture with me that, uh, just a little scenario, okay? You're in a middle school cafeteria. Yeah, welcome to my world, okay? <laughs> and you're watching this little middle schooler, this, this adorable little 11-year-old comes up, gets their, their tray, their box lunch thing, and they turn and they see this seething mass of middle school humanity. And all they can think about is, where is someone that I know? And they're looking, 
And they're looking for that friendly face. They're looking for a little eye contact. They're looking for someone to say, hey, come over here. Be with us. Be with us. And boom, they see their friend. And they go and they have lunch. Or they don't see their friend. And they end up finding a little spot on the end of the table where they can sit down, put their hoodie up, eat their lunch as fast as they can, and get out of there. And they missed the fun, they missed the fellowship, they even missed the food fight, okay? Because there was no one there that they were connected with. There are people probably in this room right now that felt that way when they walked in this morning. They came in, maybe not knowing folks yet, and looking around. And maybe they saw somebody who was welcoming them. Hurrah. Or maybe they didn't. And they're in a seat, and they're hoping for the best. Okay? And I'm not doing, saying that to throw blame at anybody. It's, we have our groups, right? We have our people. Just like the kids in the middle school. They've got their, they got their group. And that's fantastic, and that's a blessing, and we rejoice in that. But... What do we do for the people who don't have that yet? How do we help them to connect in that way? Okay. And, and by the way, if you are that person this morning, I apologize. Okay. Don't hold us, don't, don't hold us against us, please. We are just like middle schoolers. We get caught up in our own little bubble sometimes, and we forget what it's like to be on the outside looking in. Okay. But we look for that way to enfold people. We look for that way to know what the needs are so that we can help to meet the needs. And this is what I'm going to bring Mimi out. Mimi Barr is coming out right now, and she is very involved in doing exactly what I'm talking about. So, hey there. Oh, Sergeant Mimi. It should be on, right? There we go. You mean everybody heard me back there. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that is embarrassing. <laughs> so, Mimi, tell us, what are, you, uh, what are you up to these days? Huh. I'm growing older, and my <laughs> outer man is dying and wasting away. Well. So, thank goodness we have an inner man. <laughs> I am old. I'm 82. And... <laughs> yeah, thank you. Which is part of my story. When I was 16, uh, 18, and in trade school... Um, the Navy recruiter got a hold of me and signed me up, and I was not accepted because I was too short. When I was a senior in college, my then boyfriend, well, wannabe husband, uh, had, a mil had a college draft deferment which, unless you're old, you don't know what it is. That means that as soon as he would graduate from college, he was going to be drafted into the Army. Didn't want to be in the Army. So the Air Force recruiter recruited me to convince my fiancé to enlist in the Air Force. 26 years as a military wife, I know recruiters well. That's the backstory for what I want to tell you today. About two years ago, I was horribly depressed. Oh, I put on my smiley face. I came to church. I went to women's Bible study, did all my lessons, um, went to the senior chapel, and my life had no meaning. 
And I was really bummed. It was bad. And I reached out to people in the church. I read the scripture. I pleaded with God, what's going on? I have a wonderful life. I have a fabulous family. I have a job that is so fulfilling. And I have good health. But life sucked. And in talking to God, I thought that he was, you know, that my prayers bounced off the ceiling. We've probably all, all been there. So Bible verses just ran through my head. Um, who, who will go for us? Whom shall we send? Here I am, God. I'm here. I'm here. Send me. Get me out of this. And the fields are white unto harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. Oh, I am a laborer. God, I'm a laborer. I am such a type A personality that I'm a workaholic. And I'm not happy unless I'm going Mach 2 with my hair on fire. <laughs> but I didn't have any work to do. And God has given me so many gifts and so many talents and no place to use them. So what do I do? I was feeling set aside, put on the shelf, used up, chewed up and spit into the trash. I quoted Bible scriptures. I knew Jesus loves me, this I know. I knew I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I know, cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Oh, yeah, I'm King James. And I knew work for the night is coming when no man can work. I was old. My, my night was coming quickly. What am I to do? One day when I was cleaning my house, oh, really spiritual here, vacuuming, but God in the mundane of life, spoke to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. Not audibly, but he spoke. And he told me exactly what I was supposed to do. He told me that he had given a blessing, a talent, a gift to every believer. Now, in a Another passage, we, we've had several of them today, but another passage says that some of the gifts are actually the people, you know, the apostles and things like that. Okay, so that's another passage. Everybody that's a believer has a gift, and he's not going to be happy unless he's using his gift. So, how do people know about using their gifts? People want to serve, people want to be involved, they have the gifts, they don't know how or when or where or to use the gifts. Not everybody is as loud and pushy as I am. Oh, world, world, I want to do this. Hey world, look at me, I want to do this, I want to do this. Most people are polite and wait to be invited. So. God told me what my job was. I was to be the recruiter 
of volunteers. After getting my attention, he then gave me a vision in living color, technicolor, seriously, a vision. And I saw a table in the plaza with a canopy in front of the room where the babies are served. And um, I saw a sign with special words, coloring, and a certain font. Bill, I don't have a sign yet. And I saw me, oh, it gets worse. I saw me at the table, and I saw what clothes I had on. I had on this shirt. This is a costume that I created over 15 years ago for war games in Wales. I just never get rid of anything. And I know, I know you're military. You're admiring my Brigadier General Air Force stars and my NCO rocker in Chevron's. Oh yeah, Army. Yeah, I even have, I even have my, my shoulder boards, which I didn't put on this morning. Okay, so I saw this. And on the table were gifts. And this was the recruiter of volunteers. Another thing in my vision, oh, by the way, I wasn't, I didn't ask to be up here this morning. Bill, <laughs> Bill asked me. He didn't know that I was gonna come in my, on my garb. Okay, another thing in my vision was I saw me up here on this platform dressed like this and I said, oh no, Lord, not in a costume in the worship center. Don't say no to the Lord. <laughs> so, what do you do with, with a vision? Um, well, God took me to my computer, sat me down, and the Holy Spirit dictated a business plan to me. I sent the business plan to Mindy Sames, because she already knows I'm bizarre. She sent it to Steve Springstead. He phoned me up and said, go for it. So I phoned Sherry Blakey and said, I want a table next Sunday. And she said, okay. I didn't tell her where. I showed up Sunday morning, and Steve-O had put a table in front of the children's room, right where it is today. My grandchildren is, are manning it today, because I'm here. And right there, and nobody else had seen my vision. And when Bill asked me to speak today, he didn't see my vision. I had seen my vision. And that's why I'm here with the, the shirt on. Okay. Uh, week after week, people come to my table. And I say to them, what floats your boat? And they give me information, and it all goes into um, a spreadsheet. And then people come to me with their needs, and I can match people up the needs with the volunteers. And my very first Sunday, a lady came and said, my passion is baking cookies. Jared and I like cookies. Okay, that was last week. And I thought, Lord, what am I going to do with her passion of baking cookies? 
Okay. Well, Cheryl Gruner came to me before kids camp and said, we need volunteers to bake cookies for the volunteer helpers. Done. We have a lady that recently had surgery on her shoulder. Volunteers cleaned her house. We had somebody that needed housing, affordable housing. A volunteer said, come be my roommate. We needed postcards sent out. And uh, uh, Gray Schneider is sending postcards. We have had several people move. Volunteers have come, pack them up, move them to their new abode. And day by day, week by week, people come to me with needs. And God supplies the volunteers. And that's what I'm recruiting. And here's the thing, the takeaway. I have so much joy in using my gifts at my table that I'm doing what God wants me to do. And that's where we need to be. And yes, we bring joy to others. We help others. But we get so much joy out of doing what God asks us to do. And he empowers us. So, take the design class, please. And something that I like to say is some people collect, some people love teacups, and they collect teacups. And some people love stamps, and they collect stamps. I love people. Extrapolate. Thank you. <laughs> Second, can you grab that sign right there? Thank you, Mimi. So the action point is go see Mimi. All right? If you have a need, you have a gift. That's her vision, and uh, she's a blessing to us. So um, as we close, the worship team is going to come out right now. Just a beautiful passage. Jesus talks about serving in John 12. He says, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So Jesus came to serve and not, be, not to be served, but to serve and give up his life as a ransom for many. And he calls us to join with him. This is how the church is built up in love as each person is doing their work. So Trinity Church, let's do this so that in all things, God might be praised to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.